You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of Pro Studio headphones and the A131 and the A133 large diaphragm studio condenser mics at audixusa.com. I know, Michael, the podcast is the same time every night. I, I get it. I get it. Oh, you want me to read it? Okay, hang on one second. I think I have it laying right here. Oh, it's right here in this pile of bills. Um, Alan and Heath has asked us to read this. We frequently ask ourselves, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? But we think it's clear that the real question, what the heck is a woodchuck? And more importantly, do they know any good taco places around here? Welcome back, everyone, to the Signal to Noise podcast on Pro Sound Web. Chris, I thought we weren't going to say that anymore, but I feel like I've, we've just—I'm in the yeah. pattern now. It took me yeah, so long to good. get the yeah. intro correct. Yeah. Now I finally got it, so we're going to have to keep saying it. Um, we got—we got to hit up Jeff Hawley for some new intro. We do. So we got to get on him. Listening to this episode, yep. send it. We've asked for him. Send it. Yep, let's do it. <laughs> uh, as always, I'm joined by my my uh, my good friends here, Mr. Kyle Churnside. Hello, and Mr. Chris good Leonard. Evening. What's up? What's going on, fellas? It's been uh we've all been hopping like crazy. Uh you know it's funny. I know we I know we kind of scrapped what we did last week uh, or started to do last week, but uh so I did get to do a crazy gig in New York at the New York Stock Exchange. I put four 26-foot box trucks in a room that was 65 feet by 35 feet. All deads had to go back to the truck down all one small freight elevator. Wow. Um, we were on site for 28 hours straight, basically. Not myself. I, I was. I, I, we had double crew. I was tag demon out. It was uh, and it, we had a week's notice on the job, so it was a very interesting high-level investor day meeting uh, with a logistically challenging. And I better require you to be polite to people, which is not my specialty. So, um, <laughs> wait, I, I talk about my gig a little bit. I was out in, yeah, uh, I was out in LA. I was SE for Denny Miller on a uh, private gig where Miguel was performing, and uh, I had oh, a yeah. great time. Man, it was, you know, I was really wasn't sure what to pack for LA because I was digging out my car. I'm here in upstate New York. We've got snow. You know, it's frozen. It's 25 degrees or whatever. And then when I go out there, and it's still cold. So I. Uh, I underpacked. I should have brought more layers, but I met some really cool people out there. Shout out to, to Amy and yes. uh, Charles and KD was my uh, my uh, eighth day SE. She was awesome. We had a great time. Um, everybody worked really well together. We had a good show. So uh, I enjoyed myself immensely. Kyle, what did you do this week? Ah, uh, nothing really. <laughs> <laughs> Work. Um, nothing real fun this you week. You were hugging some consoles this week. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You took that, a nap on the quantum three three eight. Well, we're setting them up. We're going to run some tracks at the end of the week. It's kind of slow right now, so we're just going to play around with some waves package, do some playback in the shop. You know, you can only wind cables so many times, and uh, it'll be cool to sit with the desk and play around. They're yeah. fun, man. Do you, do you like, still know how to do that? I did. I didn't even have to call anybody or look at a YouTube video. I got the whole network set up. It was Sick. it was fairly simple. Snapped right together. Um, yeah, and I haven't touched a, a, a Digico in probably like with COVID three years, four years. Sweet. Well, 
uh, Chris, who's our guest? It's another one, and I'm going to say it again. Chris, you've been really excited about this guest. You've been sending some stuff to the group text yeah. all day. So uh, yeah, let's, let's jump in, man. Yeah, I'm um, glad we were able to reschedule this. So uh, Brandon Blackwell is joining us, which, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll kind of talk about this, but I, I, I would say that he's relatively new within the touring industry, given the level of artists that he's worked with. And I kind of want to talk about that, but I mean, um, I mean, all A-list names like Kendrick Lamar, ASAP Rocky, uh, TLC, uh, Lizzo, um, Camila Cabello. I mean, like the, it's ridiculous roster for the short <laughs> amount of time. So we'll get into that. So Brandon, welcome. Wel- welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank man. you guys. Hell yeah. yeah thank you for yeah. having me. Glad to have you here. And, and we'll also give a bit, I mean, a, crazy amount of a list between front of house and monitors typically it's one or the other so i'm very curious to see how mm-hmm. that's kind of flowed but more importantly brand i'm actually gonna put you on the spot before we get into ours okay what is the coolest thing within arm's reach of you uh <laughs> oh, God, I, mean, I can't I, I can't move it but i have a neve shelford eq that i mean uh ch- self shelford channel that my microphone's there you go that's that's cool that's cool yeah. <laughs> Super that's a cool. uh, that's a shout out to Sean Sturge for that one. So, <laughs> all right, yeah, all right, nice. Yeah. Kyle. We got Michael. Uh, no, I'm, wa- I'm waiting oh, to oh. third to last. Third <laughs> oh, you waiting to third to last? Okay. Uh, geez, man, you. Uh, I, I got. Week. We do this every week. I, I know. I, uh, this, is, this is not shocking. Chris has only been to, waiting for this. This is right. only shocking this to our guests, that. not shocking to us. So, I got some notes. I'm taking some there notes. You go. I'm, oh, I'm getting man. really deep and nerdy in the the uh, the galaxy. Galileo compass control suite. I'm, okay. I, I gotta. I'm prepping for the Volbeat tour, and I have to do some more advanced stuff than I've had to do in the past. So I've been digging into help files and taking some notes. You know, I feel like I'm going back to school a little bit. Yeah. And you're, you're gonna have to take some notes from Kyle on how to like lift. lift I know things, how to apparently. lift things, and yeah, yeah, I know. I'm gonna, Kyle's gonna, pounds, bro. Kyle's gotta be my personal <laughs> trainer, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, I'll send you a program. Not, not, not quite as much of a joke as you think, though, because we're using lions for front fills, and they're 199 pounds each. So, yeah, there's going to be some lifting going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. All right, uh, Kyle, third to last. It's your, your turn, buddy. Got a little thing from uh, New Orleans. Uh, what is that? It was a gift a long time ago. It's a Marie Laveau. You know who Marie Laveau no. is? No. You ever been to New Orleans? Mm-hmm. I've been to New Orleans. Yes. She's, she's the, the oldest, like, witch ever like like voodoo but, like but they but they yeah but they voodoo lady in in new orleans but they said it was all a ploy she was just a hairdresser and she listened to all the stories so she knew how to tell people's future and stuff like that i don't that's know that's brilliant it's, it's a wise tale <laughs> but it's a i love it i love that Marie i think that's Lavoie. great nice nice all right, so I know I know I've been texting these guys, Michael and Kyle, offline and saying, "Hey, uh, I didn't even want to spoil what I wanted to, to show, you know, as our but the build-up has reach. been insane. So if this is right, awesome, so I'm, I'm gonna be. I'm, do you have the sound effects hooked up? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, first off, is this gonna start off with a shout out? So um, Electro Sound Systems, uh, my guy Tom Manchester over there. So he's been he's been a listener for a while, and then turns out he's in my backyard. Um, we've been partnering some work over the past few years. Um, we've been renting stuff from him and, and, and I was able to, um, you know, uh, do some shows with him and, and give him some work or whatever. And he sent me a thank you gift. Um, and, and he said, um, I wanted to, uh, repurpose some, how we got loud, um, technology that he had sitting around, Uh-oh. um, this as is, art, this is as art for my, for my office. Um, now for those who don't know how we got loud as a history of live sound podcast that, that, that I also do when I magically don't have time. Um, <laughs> anyway, 
So here we go. I'll I'll post this in Discord and Facebook and everything. So this is a Shoko no amp, way. amp speaker um uh, speaker panel. Um amp rack okay. IO model fifteen twenty. Wow. Uh, and it, it's mounted like on a piece of wood like the Shoko like the Shoko um logo and everything. Um so it was super cool. I mean, you know, um, obviously Shoko being an iconic company, uh, and, and it got me to thinking. It's like, man, why didn't I think about this? So now I have a new goal of wanting to collect like amp rack or rack panels mm. with all these sound companies, like at least you know old school sound companies, their logos on there. Like, so I need I need, I need a sound image one. I need a clear one. I have MSI ones. Um, you know that would anyway. So that that's my that's my arm's reach. It's, it's it's a pretty cool. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Banging. That's, that's very, cool. That's very all right. cool. It, it 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 lived up to the hype. I'll admit it. I'll, I'll let it, I'll let it slide. <laughs> so, all right, let's jump in with the guest, Chris. I I know you probably yes. been thinking about questions, so let's let's let it rip, man. Well, you know, um, you know, he sent me a bio, which is great. And I don't want to read all of it because it's you know it take a minute. But I mean, in a maybe short synopsis, I think it's worth talking about how you got here, right? I mean, you you caught the bug at an early age. Um, you are I, what I will say a successful full, full sale graduate, right? There's a lot of people who are maybe naysayers about kind of full sale and stuff. Um, let's put it this way: you graduated full sale in twenty um, twenty twelve, right? Uh, twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. Yeah. Twenty thirteen. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. And within two years, you're out with Neo, TLC, and whatever, right? So, what happened there? Because I mean that that's pretty cool. They're, 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 that's some pretty quick success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's it's interesting. We kind of have to go prior to Full Sail. Uh, the reason why I went to Full Sail is because I wanted to work for Claire Brothers. Um, okay. It was kind of right around the time where Claire and Shoko joined together, and I was like, man, you know, I, I don't Fitting. really know much about. I don't know much about sound, but they're the best sound companies at the time on the planet. So, or in my planet, you know, which was the States what, for what I thought. Um, so I went to Full Sail because I knew that they hired directly from, uh, Claire Brothers hired directly from Full Sail. And I was like, that's mm. going to be my easy chance to get into the school. Um, unfortunately, um, and, and, and I thank God now for it, but, you know, it didn't, it didn't come into fruition that I would go work for Claire and be a road staff. Um but after school, I actually ended up going home and freelancing in New York City with a really good mentor of mine named Lloyd. And uh, Lloyd Vaughn, he owned a company in New Jersey, still does it. And he would do corporate work on the side. Uh, it was during the summertime. So we would do, you know, uh, anything in the park, whatever park you can think of. We did an event <laughs> in the park. And, you know, it was very long hours, slipping, you know, whatever Mackie speakers, Yamaha board, that's what it was. Um, and I did that for a couple months in, in New York uh, that summer. Um, and later in that summer, probably about August, uh, my mom's boss, uh, who's, who, who was a CFO of a company, an insurance company, he ends up meeting uh, the musical director of American Idol uh, by the name of uh, Ray Chu. And at that time, I had no idea you know, about what a musical director really was, you know, I, mm-hmm. I just thought it was a band, you know, I didn't know there was even, you know, departmentalized people inside that band. Um, so when she told me that it really didn't resonate with me at all, like it didn't matter because at that time I just wanted to put speakers in the air. I had a map, I had a vision and a part of that vision was I was going to fly PA for however long. And, you know, once I get to mixing, I get to mixing, you know, that's 15 years, 20 years, whatever. Um, but a couple of days later, or maybe a couple of weeks, we were watching some award show and Alicia Keys was performing 
or accepting an award. And she, you know, she sang her speech and then she says that she wants to give a shout out to Ray Chu. And I think part of that was, you know, for he had done some live work with her. And I guess that was a part of that. And it kind of hit to me. And I was like, you know what, let me let me see what he really does. You know, I'm a big fan of Alicia Keys. I've been to a couple of her shows at that time. And I'm like, you know, let's see what what could come of it. So my mom sets up a meeting. Uh, we meet like on a Friday and um, spend a long time with Ray. I mean, like hours and just talking about music, um, you know, what mostly is about what he did, which is great because the man has MD for so many people, um, so many events, you know, corporate events. Um, he actually did Obama's inauguration the first year or something like that. And, and so just from that standpoint, just getting to know what he's done was, you know, that was enough for me. Um, I didn't, I didn't know if anything else was going to come from it, but at least I had that connection with someone that was closer to the industry. Um, and at the end of our conversation, he asked me, you know, what am I doing tomorrow? I had a gig in New York city making, you know, probably maybe a hundred bucks for like a 14 hour day. You know, I don't know what it was, but it wasn't anything great. <laughs> Sounds reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and literally I called, I called up my buddy and, you know, this is why he, he will remain a mentor of mine you know, for the rest of my life is because, you know, he saw the, he saw what that opportunity was and he was like, you know what, go do it. And you probably want, you're probably, you know, thinking to yourself, you haven't mentioned what the opportunity was. Um, but he, Ray ended up asking me, you know, can you come to, uh, upstate New York where my, me and my band are performing for Robert Nero's 60th birthday. And I'm like, you know, my, my, my buddy Lloyd is like, of course you can go. And for me, I'm like, I've never, that that type of lifestyle, like that celebrity A list, at that point in my life, I had never witnessed anything like that. Um, so I ended up going up there on a Saturday, and like we had a car service. You know, I'm getting the A list treatment real soon, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, car service up there, and you know, I I'm literally there to hand out towels to the band, print out sheet music, like nothing exciting at all, nothing dealing with monitor mixing, audio, nothing. But, you know, as I'm doing all this stuff, I'm looking around and it's Samuel Jackson walking across um, Damn. all of these celebrities and, and artists. And uh, literally, I kid you not, Leonardo DiCaprio landed on his, on his helicopter and walks across the grass to this, this <laughs> massive tent. And I'm just like, I can't I can't believe this. You know, this is something that I've never I've never been a part of something like this at that time. And, Best story ever. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, and and you know, Ray's band plays, and I think the artist was Lenny Kravitz and BB and CC Winans. So I'm like, Lenny Kravitz, what? You know, this is nuts to me. And at the end of the night, we um, they do like this m- massive New York style fireworks, and I was like, I don't know what this is, but I like this feeling. I like being <laughs> around this energy, you know. And a couple of weeks had gone by and Ray had offered me to do some shows for them. Um, and it was still more in that administrative, you know, position. It was sheet music, taping. He has a very special way he likes to sheet music tapes. Uh, his keyboard sustain pedal has to be taped a certain way. Um, but that's what I did for a couple of weeks to, you know, a couple of months. And then we had done a gig and unfortunately the modern engineer wasn't really that great. And the band was complaining and me kind of being eager and hungry, you know, I was like, 
I went to school for this, you know, I, mm. I really, to be honest, looking back on it, I wasn't prepared for it as, as I am now, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm a hungry, no one ever is, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a hungry 20. I think at that age, I'm maybe 22. And I'm like, man, I want to do this. Like, okay. You know, so I take it over. Um, I forgot what the show was, but it was, it was like, um, there used to be a television station, TV one. I don't know if it still exists, but they had a show called divas. And this was, their diva show for during the holidays. So it was uh, Angie Stone, Shaka Khan, um, Damn. Kiki Wyatt, so big vocalists. And, you know, I'm on pens and needles taking care of the band. And, um, you know, the artists each come up and do their sound, do their sound check. I'm on a five, a PM five D, which I hadn't spent much time at, you know, on at school. I was more into the Digico stuff. Cause that's just what I liked. Hmm. Um, but I knock it out the park. The band's happy. Like everyone's super happy. And I'm like, okay, this, this can lead to something. And that was the beginning of, you know, my, my time with Ray that then led to many of connections down the line. Um, that's gotten me to where I am today. You know, it's classic, uh, you know, not only being in the right place at the right time, but like taking event. And you know, this is, I think this is a really important part for, for, for young people listening to this. I, a lot of people know that, you know, kind of who you are, where you are, right place, right time has a lot to do with this business, but there's still saying yes to that opportunity when it comes up and doing what you can to be prepared for that opportunity when it comes up. You know what I mean? It's, it's there's always the roll of the dice, but you, you can either do a good job at it or not do a good job at it. You can either jump mm-hmm. on it or not jump on it. So you're still driving that boat in, in a way. So I think that's, a, that's a cool story. And I hope people kind of think about that. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I, I believe your serotonin and dopamine levels when you saw like those people walking by. Holy cow, man. Like out of nowhere. Yeah. I was literally, I was talking to my fiance about this and I was like, you know, I have some friends that that's family members are in the music industry. I don't have that. You know, I'm that, that person. So to see this, I'm like, okay, this is very, very this is new, you know, this is, these are new emotions that I've never formulated in my body yet at that time. And it's like, okay, (laughs) like, man, this is, this is dope, you know? And it's not like just passing one celebrity. It's like all of them. (laughs) They're all there. Yeah. You know, dude, that's insane. Mm Mm-hmm. So then, uh, it's like curiosity. So you, 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 you know, you listed that your first big gig was Neo. So how did, how did that opportunity come about? How, how did I go first? At first, uh, <clears throat> I've actually toured with him a couple of times, actually. Uh, w- one of the times, uh, Michael likes this. I was at, was that with Bow Wow? Yeah. And, 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 and Neo was actually the, op- one of the opening acts because wow. at the, at the time, like he had maybe an album out, but in like, this is when like nobody really knew who he was yet. He's writing for everybody at the mm-hmm. time. And then fortunately, uh, a couple of years later, I got to do a tour where like he was the headline. It, were, it was like theaters were playing like Fox Theater and stuff like that. Uh, we had like Music Soul Child opening up for us or whatever. So I kind of got to see both sides of Neo like kind of, you know, in the forefront and then kind of as an opening act. But he's a phenomenal person to just work with. His band's phenomenal. So anyway, how did, how did that opportunity uh, come about? Yeah, so that one came through. Um, it goes back. To, it literally goes back to Ray. So we had did the Neighborhood Awards, which was by uh what's his name by steve harvey it used to be called the hoodie awards and then they transitioned to the neighborhood awards and neo's steve harvey yeah (laughs) i love that so like he he has his hand in so many things it's it's amazing to to to, you know see his career but um we did that show and ray was the musical director and neo was one of the artists that performed 
Um, they didn't have a monitor engineer. And usually what happened on those shows was if they didn't have a monitor engineer, I would take care of it. I was mm-hmm. the, I guess at that point, yeah, I was the show's monitor engineer, you know, like now that I think back on it. But um, so I made a connection with the front of house engineer uh, by the name of Dorian Stramler. And he, we stayed in contact for a while and you know, one random month he hit me up and he's like, Neo's doing Ellen DeGeneres show. And uh, he's also doing a show out in uh, somewhere. I want to say it was like Palm Springs or some casino out here in LA. And of course I'm like, man, that I'm, I'm definitely down. And that was at the time when, you know, I, Ray, Ray had gone on to become the musical director of American Idol. And, you know, I was feeling that, that, that show buzz I needed to do. I needed to be around live shows. And I had left um, Ray and Vivian and their company, True Entertainment, and kind of just took on that freelance life of just, um, you know, searching for gigs and connecting from gigs and or connecting to gigs and people. And that was the first one as my free as a freelancer that I landed as, you know, I was a cover. I will say I was, I was covering for the modern engineer, Alex McLeod, but you know, it was still my yep. first big I know Alex. gig. I, yeah, he, yeah, he was doing monitors for Neil. Yeah, when I was, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool. And it, and that was the thing. It was like I'm covering, but I was also covering with his show file. So it's like and mm. that, at that time, Alex did Justin Bieber. You know, yep. so I'm like, man, this is if this guy is that good, let me look at his file and pick mm. his brain. And <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and and at that time, like he he was our he was out with Bieber, so there wasn't much time that I can call him but I can look at his file and kind of see where he was going and the techniques he was using. Um, Let's just say I've never seen a profile maxed out that far. You know, like he had every input and output used for that gig. When, when, when did you, um, when did you feel comfortable that like I got this? Like maybe at that point, I mean, cause you're using someone else's file and stuff. Yeah. Like, was there, um, was it on Neo? Was it beyond Neo? Like when, I mean, cause that's, when did you feel comfortable? Like, yep this is my career. I can own this. I got this. And I just need to just keep, keep going. Yeah. I, I'll be honest. I felt probably about 50% comfortable at Neo. There were things that I didn't, um, that I didn't really know. Like RF, I had no idea about at that time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, from the mixing standpoint, I was very, I was very confident in, and could achieve a good sound at that point. Um, but the other part of it, you know, hooking up, um, RF paddles. Like I learned all that in school, but that wasn't my main mm-hmm. directive. Like I wanted to be a, a PA guy. So, you know, I just didn't pay attention to that. Um, but once, um, yeah, I think once I got to Neo, I was comfortable with mixing. Um, but then it was at that point, it was kind of chill. You know, it wasn't difficult. It was, he wasn't a difficult artist, but when, as soon mm-hmm. as I got the uh, bad boys reunion tour, that was where I was really, I was challenged the most by that point in my career. And I, that was the furthest I've ever been pushed at that moment. Mm. And to this day, I'll say that, you know, that is the gig that is my threshold of what I can handle. You know, it's, it's mm. me. Um, I'm handling, you know, big band. So it's, I think it's like nine people in the band with background singers. And then you have a whole bunch of artists and, you know, I think it's maybe like 18 artists, you know, 20 artists. And I had to program in a way that if the artist came up early, 
you know, he had he or she wanted to hear themselves. So I would have to program them in the scenes when they arrived so that they heard themselves. Mm. And then when they went out, you know, we didn't we didn't we unfortunately we didn't have 20 channels of RF. You know, I think we had maybe 10 <laughs> and um P. Diddy had one, so that was always his. So the other nine, they had to rotate. And, you know, artists, they don't, um, when they don't understand things, they get, they, you know, sometimes us explaining things can complicate them. So if they walk up and they want to hear themselves because that makes them feel comfortable before they go out, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's my job to make that happen. And and that was a lot of it. You know, I, I would have some of them show up a little too early and be like, I can't hear myself. And I'd be like, okay, give me two songs, give me two snapshots, bam, bam. Now you can hear yourself, you know? And that that made them feel comfortable that, you know, but that they can hear themselves before they go out. If it was me, I would always want to hear myself. Like even till sure. t- even till today, I I asked the monitor engineer, you know, give me a quick one, two in the PA because it makes me feel better. Mm. It makes me feel like when the show starts, I'm not looking for oh, dang, my insert is not messed up or, you know, I'm, I'm chasing my tail. I'd rather the fans hear one, two, and I'm ready to go, like really, really ready to go. And then mm-hmm. I start my show. So I think it comes back to that, you know, just feeling prepared as soon as the show starts, you know, and that, that was back then. That was my technique that I've carried on till now. When I saw the Bad Boy reunion tour, that's what I was going to ask about because I know – that was difficult chasing RF all night. Yeah. How many how many mics on stage for that? Um, so there were, I want to say it was maybe ten or twelve channels. But like I said, Mace or P- uh, Puff and Mace always had their microphones. Yeah. And so then we had to rotate the rest, and even like our background singers, um, we had to rotate that into their moments onto the show. You know, they had their yeah. special moments, and I will say wedges. this: um, no wedges. We only had side fillers. Yeah, all ears and sad fills. Um, nice. But I will say, I could yeah. not have done that without my techs. Like, that yeah. whole system, we couldn't have done that. That's a lot of chasing by the middle of the set, man. You're yeah. doing a lot of chasing. Yeah. Ten microphones. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got a funny story about that I'll tell later. But yeah, I ended up accidentally chewing out Ludacris uh, <laughs> over... Um, over a mic just switch once. up like that. So, just once. It, well, I guess I, I can tell real quick, but I, I, I'm going to say this before. So we on a screen tour with Bow Wow, whatever, right? So, I mean, these tours, I mean, there's constant people collaborating. So, like, mm-hmm. you show up in this city and, and this artist shows up and this, right? And so, like, I think we had um, Bobby Valentino as one of the opening acts. And so, uh, Ludacris did Pimping All Over the World, you know, with him or vice versa. And so we're in Chicago, but all these nights, same things happen. It's like, you only had 10 wireless and, like, mm-hmm. you have all these guest artists and, like, front of house engineer, monitor engineer, like, relying on me to tell them, like, which mic is, is coming up next or whatever and people are constantly just bringing their friends out on stage or whatever and grabbing mics and then and then they can't hear and then they yell at me anyway so like i had sat down like all the artists like, like wrangler mm-hmm. yeah exactly and i had said i went down be like all right look guys like you i'm not barring anybody from having mics i just need to know so i could tell people up front you know i had I talked right yeah. and sure enough here we are the next night where it, you know it's dark backstage and a couple guys are grabbing microphones and i started just ripping into them. i told you guys there's a whole thing right <laughs> this is the microphone you're supposed to use here go 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 and, and, and a stage manager comes over to me and he's like um hey you, you know who that was I'm like no he's like but we, we've been talking about this mic he's like, hey he's like that was ludicrous i was like ah shit <laughs> 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 anyway 
I like being the Mike Wrangler for that sometimes. It's fun because when you start to nail it, like you get a good feeling, man. Mm-hmm. Like the speed of Monitor World when it comes to that kind of show is insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you and you gotta be watching eyes the whole time because everyone's starting off, they're gonna look at you. You know, if you can get them not to look at you, then you're 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 in the pocket. Yep. You know? Very true. And then gathering the mics at the end of the show when they're coming off stage, you're like, uh Yeah. I have a handful of 10 because if you turn around, one's going to be in the dressing room. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it's actually very common for a lot of people to start off um, in monitors. I think nine times out of 10 because it's the it's the short end of the stick that nobody actually wants, right? <laughs> um, and so there's something a lot of, if you work for oh, a sound wow. company, if you work for a sound company, a lot of times it's like, oh, the tour brought the front of house guy, but they didn't bring the monitor guy. So here you go. You get to do the opening acts or whatever. Yeah. And then obviously some guys, and this is maybe, in my case, um, I took a liking to monitors and stayed there where others kind of progressed the front of house. So what was that like for you, given that, I mean, your roster is just as deep as a monitor engineer and front of house engineer. Uh, do you still regularly go back and forth? What do you enjoy most between the two? How does how does that play out? Yeah, so um, these days I'm preferring front of house. Um, people don't know me as that front of house yet, but... Um, a couple of shows after this, after this episode drops, they will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just I'm I'm known or I was known for the long for a, I'm saying long. It's only been ten years, right, or nine years, but for the mo- majority of my ca- yeah, for the majority of my career, I was known as the monitor engineer. You know, that young that young kid that does monitors. Um, but I've always wanted to be a front of house engineer. Like since I since I went to that first Shade concert you know, at 13 years old. Um, Lucky. Yeah. Like <laughs> blessed, man. Like literally to have that experience at that age, that was eye opening yeah. to me. Like seeing a D show, a, a D show from, um, we were blessed with my mom's boss and everything. My mom getting tickets to the suite, but like, you know, we're up there high, but we're right in between the main and the, and the side hang. Like it's a perfect image. I can see down to what front of house is using. Like it was, that was the moment I was like, you know, I want to be a front of house engineer. But at a certain point I was like, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not just going to wake up tomorrow and have this big name as a front of house engineer. That's, that's not how it works. So how do I get there? And that's what goes back to my map. I always have a map of my career and Mm. you know, there's, there's, there have been some go down this road and come back a little bit to make a detour. Um, But I always knew to get to front of house, I was going to have to, grind it through a monitors and that that quickness and that get it up going now you know and if you can put together 20 something mixes 30 mixes really quickly you can put together one mix really a really a really really good one mix that's all you have to do so that that everything that i learned from monitor world plays into you know everything i do now for front of house i'm super techie um i still go out in tech um, and I still go out doing monitor. I still go out and do monitors all the time. You know, it just keeps my chops up. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I'm curious. You you said a very interesting thing. You said you said you had a map for yeah. yourself. Yeah, and, I was going to ask you about that towards too. that, right? So yeah. I, I know I know for myself. You know, similarly, it was a young kid. You know, got my you know first gig at Maryland Sound, and it's like you know I just want to go on tour. It's like cool, got on tour. You know, mm-hmm. I want I want to you know want to be like a modern engineer for like some 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 A list acts, and you know got to do some of that. And then I found myself going, well, shit, I'm here now. Now what? Like, you know, so like, it was very hard to be like, okay, uh, so what did that look like for you? Like you hit 
you know, a or even or, or b b list a list like pretty quickly mm-hmm. um what 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 was what can you describe what was on your map like where are you trying to, where were you trying to go maybe where are you trying to go what is yeah for I, someone for someone who is we do have a lot of younger listeners so i'm very i, I want to encourage people of like how to mentally process this as they're as they're joining the industry or navigating the industry like mm-hmm. uh where's your headspace been to get where you are yeah so I have to be honest with you, um, looking back on it, I call it my map, but who I really got it from was uh, my good friend and mentor, Sean Sturge um, at Eighth Day and or Claire Global, whatever you want to call it these days. But he he was my mentor for the jump into this industry. And I, I knew that the day I called him randomly and... Um, and he's like, you know, the next day, the next day, ASAP Rocky has a show. You want to go do it? And I'm like, first off, this man does not know me at all. He doesn't know my ability, but he's willing to stick, you know, his name out there for me. Okay. Again, I found this, you know, let's say I found one chest on this map. Let's mm-hmm. see what this takes me. You know, my mm-hmm. thing is always, I don't want to do this. So again, I've never had anyone in my family do this. So when I find people that are successful in their careers, I try my best to align myself with their mentality, align myself mm. with the way they move, the way they politic. And, you know, if they can get to where they're going by, you know, their career, I can get to where they are in their career and surpass them. Mm. And then my next goal is to obviously hand it back to someone else so that they get all that, you know, get to that whole place plus further than me. Um, so my map was really driven by him. You know, it, it, he put me in positions and on gigs that I just, you know, I would have never gotten, I, you know, I would have never at that point gotten to those gigs, but he trusted me. And like you said, when I got that opportunity, it was, it was time to work. It what what sticks out to me um, in that is it, your roadmap is more of a headspace roadmap more so than, Hey, I need to get to this artist. I need to do this type of gig Mm -hmm. because as long as your headspace map is right, everything else is going to fall in line. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally it. It's like at the end of the day, right. We all have bad gigs and, and you know, thank, thankfully for the pandemic, it sucked that we all got, we, we missed out on a lot of money, but like the pandemic made me focus more on my mental than ever before. Um, and you know, yeah. And now I'm at the point where, like, if a gig doesn't fuel my soul and my happiness mm. and my mental, it, you can be giving me however much money. That doesn't matter to me. You know, if I don't, if the music doesn't resonate with me, if whatever, it could be just a disconnect, or you know, the the politics are just too much. I, I will remove myself from it because it's not healthy for me. I, I, you know, I've noticed in my career, I've. I, I've gone through gigs and when it was, when it was time for me to leave, it was time for me to leave. Mm. And I always took a leap of faith with always having a backup, well, not a backup plan, but I always made the leap of faith when it was, you know, when I had something next. So, you know, you go through my resume and it's so many people so fast, you know, none of those gigs I got fired from, I all left on my own terms because it just wasn't, you know, I had got enough from it. I had got enough, whatever it could have been technical chops, um, relationships with people. Like I got enough from that gig and it was time for me to leave. And that's a part of my map. You know, when I'm not happy, it doesn't make me work great. Like another, another mm. thing that, you know, 
which is new to the industry and people probably don't understand is like, I bring my, my fiance or wife at this point to, to shows with me because she makes me happy. That makes me work even better than, than when I'm, you know, when she's not there and she she looks over at me and she gives me, I call her, her name's Ariel. And I, I, she gives me that stare, that Ariel stare when something's wrong. And she sees me, you know, especially if it's a show that, or a new artist that I don't have snapshots for, she'll see me just fix it really quickly and then she'll kind of shake her head, you know, give me that nod, mm-hmm. like, okay, you're back where you where where I know you're going you're supposed to be. So headspace, map, like it's it's all been parts of my career that just keep moving me along, you know. So Amen. Yeah, I mean it's this is it's it's really an interesting topic to me because I spend a lot of time talking with my mentees about like what's the next step in your career. And it's like a lot of people go, Well, I want to do whatever i want to be a mixer i want to look but but there's no like real tangible definition of what that means and i remember Mm -hmm. when i was at berkeley john Mm -hmm. mayer came to talk and and he said define success for yourself before you start otherwise you won't know when you reach it yeah so i was you know i I really push people to sort of well what does that mean like okay i want to get on my first tour or i want to you know publish an article in a trade magazine or i want to could be i want to make this much money in a year like whatever that goal is for you define that and then we go okay well how are we gonna what steps we're we gonna take to get you there um because it's really hard to say what steps should we take if you don't know where you're headed so i think that's a really cool idea about um really i don't want to sound like that book like the secret or whatever but it's it's like really it's <laughs> like just really having a clear idea of what you're oh, working man. towards you yeah know? yeah you can almost like i'll be honest with you you can manifest your your career like I'm, I'm, I am, um, I'm an example of that manifesting what I wanted in my career and where I wanted to go. Some of the gigs I, I've talked about wanting to do Camila Cabello when she was with fifth harmony, I said, dang, she's going to be great. I want to be, I want to mix her one day. I wanted to mix front of house to be honest, but monitors for Camila Cabello definitely take it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, fast forward to Kendrick. I was at, I was at full sale talking to m- classmates and said, man, I would love to make sound for a house for Kendrick Lamar. 10 years later or nine years later, I'm at that seat. And it's like, that's, you know, that journey is, it's nuts. You yeah. Know? And that's, you know what? The other thing is that's, that's pretty rare to, to actually land the one artist that you really want. Like a lot of people get yeah. into it because of the work of an artist yeah but to to actually end up with that gig for that artist like that's that's a pretty rare thing that's pretty cool yeah man. yeah so you just said what i wanted to ask is um you have you have a picture from the um the kendrick lamar show you were doing yeah your sweatshirt it's your sweatshirt says uh the journey makes the story better so yeah did you make did you make that sweatshirt and man. was there <laughs> something inspired there i mean that that that, that, that could be deep Look, there, so. that, that is a story there man so um I'll take a step back. So I've come to the realization and, um, you know, some people may agree or disagree, but in order to be great, you need, you need a significant other to push you. And that's what my fiance does. She constantly, constantly pushes me audio, um, eating, working out, you know, even dressing. And she knew how big this gig was for me and she wanted me to have an outfit that was still true to me and still true to, you know, still being able to work and move and be comfortable. So she ended up, we're big, we're really big Adidas fans, as you see on the hat. And um, she went to the store 
and just found this this sweatshirt. It's a part of some collection. Um, I'll have to text you it because I don't remember the exact name, <laughs> but um, it's this young designer from the Midwest. And when she found it, um, she didn't tell me what was on it. She just said, you know, I got this really cool black Adidas sweatshirt, you know, um, and she only showed me the front of it. And I was like, mm. oh, that's super dope. You know, I was like, cool. Um, and then when she got home and she showed me the back, I was like, I was like, okay, this is, you know, we're painting a story, but this is actually really talking to me, you know? And I was like, that's my outfit that I'm going to wear. I was like, that sweatshirt is, um, that's it. Like someone, someone, someone put you in the store and put that sweatshirt there for me to get. And that's what it was. And I wore it and it's been in the closet ever since day in Vegas. Um, it's, you know, it may sound corny, but it's like my, my, um, my keepsake from that day, you mm. know, it was just that day was an emotional roller coaster for me. Um, usually, I mean, there's a lot of highs. There weren't really many lows on that day, but it was just it was an emotional toll, you know. So when when did it hit you most that day? Um, so his last song is, um, geez, let me pull it up real quick. Sorry, you good? What is it? I want to talk about Rocky too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so his last song is "Sing About." Yeah. His last song is uh, "Sing About Me" for that set, which is um, one of my all-time favorite Kendrick songs. And like, I go back. I'm a I'm a fan since like Section 80, overly dedicated, like first EPs, you know. And that song, uh, it just resonates with me, and that's that's what it lead. That's how I leave my life, right? So when I'm gone, promise that you sing about me. I'm leaving a legacy, you know, as Kendrick is leaving a legacy for his family and everything else. That's my goal is to leave a legacy, you know, for my family, my children, my friends, whoever it is. You know what I mean? Like, again, because I don't have anyone in this family or anyone in my family that does this, I want to be that. Oh, my great uncle, Brandon, my granddad, my dad. You know what I mean? Like, I want to leave that like he was great. And um you know, to say all that, that was when I was like, man, like this show, I had to, I had to look away from the iMac, man. Like literally like I broke, I almost broke down crying at the show because mm-hmm. it was like, you know, not only am I a fan of the music and what I saw on stage was artwork, but it was just like, man, this is my, I've asked for this dream and this dream is coming true. You know, I also, during, you're driving. Yeah. You're and, driving. I, and I'm a major part of it. Right. So I'm like, what is going yeah, on? You're moving air. Yeah. And so, you know, during the show, I'm looking at my, my RTA, my smart screen. And I'm like, you know, I have LEQ slow over one, over five, over 10, over 20. And I'm all, all of them, I'm sitting at 99 DBA. And I'm like, damn, okay. Like, so that means that probably means nothing really. Right. But in my head, I'm like, all right. So my mix is balanced. Like everything is locked and loaded like everything's progressing and i look my fiance was behind me next to my rack and i looked over and she looked up at the screen and she was like yeah like you've been at this this spl limit the whole time and for me that's like you know that's kind of that's our perfection in audio you know that's one of our perfections you know or at least one of mine Mm -hmm. and it was just mind-boggling i was like man like i'm consistent everything is just locked in Mm. and you know, that preparation, those weeks of rehearsals is what prepared me for it. Like everything I did during that show, it wasn't it wasn't a guess. I made no guesses. Everything was a, a mechanical, calculated move to do what I'm doing. 
And that's why the show sounded the way it did. You know, I had a few moments of feedback and I, I look back and I was like, well, Brandon, you didn't, you didn't ring the microphone out. That's why you're feeding back during the show. And I take that mental note for the next thing. Like, Hey, you've, you know, you did all this preparation and rehearsal. Why'd you forget this preparation? And that's how you mm. get better for the next thing. You know, mm. the show was perfect. Oh, the show was good. It wasn't perfect. Cause I fed back. That's just how I feel about it. You know what I mean? There's two things there that so. I think are important. Number one is, is when I talk to people who are just truly on the top of their game, they are never like, yeah, everything's great. Like they're always like, yeah, I'm working on this right now. And I really want to prove on this where they're calling their peers and asking questions. How can I clean this up? So I love that even when you're like, yeah, I'm killing it. Like you're still like, all right, oh, I know what I need to focus on next to, to kind of go to the next level. But the mm-hmm. other thing that, that I'm sort of hearing from you is that it doesn't sound like you had a lot of moments where you were like rudderless wondering what, like you, you had that shit on the horizon the whole time. You were like running right at that. Like you always yeah. knew where you wanted to go. And I think that's really interesting, man. I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to have a plan, man. Like, even if that plan changes, you 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 need some direction in life. You can't just walk your life endlessly. You know, we, you have to have direction. That's what keeps you on track. Even if that track decides to change one way or another, that's fine. You know, as long as right. you have a, a pathway. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about I want to talk about TLC, man. Uh, yeah, get it. All right, so I want to do Rocky too. So, uh, there's some interesting things about that waterfalls recording that I think are really neat. Um, the, uh, first of all, and I found this out like two years ago and I can't stop telling people CeeLo is the male background singer on that record. And I think a lot of people don't know that. Didn't know that. See, I scooped you. <laughs> that's very yeah. cool. And once you know that and you listen to it, you can hear it too. You're like, yep, that's him. Um, I'm going to write so, that down. Yeah, actually. Listen to the backgrounds on waterfalls, man. You can totally hear CeeLo in there. Um, the other thing that I think is cool, and I got this put in my head by a buddy of mine who was a trumpet player, and I've not been able to unhear it since he pointed this out. There's like two trumpets in there, and one's muted and one's not muted. And it's a really interesting tone because we all know muted trumpet section, and we all know unmuted trumpet section, but I don't think we've ever heard the combination before. It's a very distinct sound. And I was like, yeah, that's it. That's the character of that record. That's how they got that sound. It was a muted trumpet and unmuted trumpet, and it's really neat, man. Um, mm-hmm. so I just think about, I mean, can you talk about kind of putting the, like that, that's one of those things. And we talked to, it's funny. We talked to Kyle Hamilton a couple weeks ago who also he's doing Lizzo now. And he was talking mm-hmm. about playback and those elements that you're like, that's the gold record right there. That keyboard part or that shaker part. These are the things that the audience is like, yep, that's what makes it sound like that song that I'm a big fan of. That's yeah. a song where everything in that mix is so recognizable and so key. I mean, how do you approach something like that? It's, it's, I think about, um, I got the, the master multi-tracks from Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to mix this. And you can't do anything. You put, you, it's eight tracks. You put the eight faders up and you leave it at Unity. And you're like, if I do anything to this, I'm going to ruin it. It's perfect. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, I, I imagine like at a, a recording like that, when you're trying to do it live, you've got to take a similar approach, right? It's just so iconic. Yeah. I mean, so go, back then, my, my thoughts on playback and, and, and mixing the band and that, I, I didn't have the same thought process that I had now, mm-hmm. you know, um, Back then it was, you know, the playback drives everything because there are elements in it, like you said, that the band just can't play. That right. that trumpet, they just can't play that. Um, so back then it was, it, I was of the mindset of, you know, 
let the let the playback drive and then just tuck the band underneath it. You still hear it, but it's you know it's not a lot. Um, so back then that would have been my approach, but now you know I'm I'm the way I mix is very blended, right? So I whatever that snare is, if there is a clap in the record, or if the if the 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 snare and the record sound more like a, I guess, yeah, sound it more like a clap. I'll EQ that snare to sound like a clap. Mm. And, you know, there are a lot of moments and a lot of musical directors, they'll, you know, bring the, bring the record in and then they'll drop it out for a second and you lose this disconnect of the music. Mm. You know, it's multiple things. It's, it's, you know, the elements don't sound the same uh, or, the stereo image of the mix just changes because, you know, some of these records are very, very mono driven. They're not as wide as you think they are, but we mix them. We mix our shows very wide. So it's like, how do you keep this balance so that your mind, you know, your mind does, your mind is like, it sounds right, but something has changed. And that's usually Mm -hmm. one of the things that changes really quickly. Um, So my thing is I always try to make them all sound together as one, you know, so a hi-hat, it's not a chunky hi-hat. It's more like a, um, you know, like a, like it's super high end. That's what a lot of hip hop hi hats are. So yeah, they're really thin. uh, Yeah, yeah, they're super thin. And and crash crashes and toms, like you know, I always say like it doesn't have to be a rock and roll, especially with my hip hop artists that I mix for. It's not rock and roll on top of hip hop. You know, it has to blend. It has to talk to each other. Um, So that's a lot of my approach now. You know, back in the day, if I was doing that show, I would have had that horn section or any part of the song that is super noticeable, I want that separate so I can drive it more. You know, I want, I want to hit them hard with that element that they know that when it comes on, you know, it brings them back to a memory of I was cooking dinner for my man listening to that song. <laughs> you know, that that's a moment for the fans. So it's like, I don't, I don't ever want them to miss that because that's, that's what made the record. I don't want to step over that. I never will, you know? So I hope that answered the question. It was a little bit all over the place, but no, I mean, it's interesting to it. Yeah. Because it's interesting to just hear the mindset. And, and I think the average person who's going to that show who like, you know, everyone's like when they're going to see a band, they're like, there's one song. They're like, this is my song that they're waiting mm-hmm. for that song. They don't think about, Hey, there's someone down there who has to interpret this and reconstruct these elements and blend them in a way that makes it sound like your song. Like most people just don't, have that process that there's an interpretation layer in there, you know, uh, or yeah. more than one interpretation. You have the MD and the artist and it's live. And mm-hmm. so it, it's interesting to me to think about that. Are we going to be faithful to the recording or, or, you know, people's memory of the recording is probably a little bit larger than life than the actual recording, you know, so do we yeah. hype it a little bit and, and it's mm-hmm. got to feel live. And uh, it, it, that's just a really interesting topic to me. You know, I, I really like, and that's, and that is, um, there's a an artistic element there that as a system engineer I don't I don't get to mess with so I, I yeah. just it's really fascinating to me to hear about it you know mm-hmm. yeah I, th- I think one thing that we don't talk about too is a lot of artists will kind of dictate where they want their tracks to sit or vice versa mm-hmm. to to the front of house guy or even monitor world uh, if you're just making basic mixes where they want the track to sit yeah I think that's the one thing that artists will go out of their way like they don't. The, if it's just a band with no tracks, the band's not going to ask for anything or super weird. But it, <laughs> and if it's an artist with just tracks or a DJ, but when it's both, they'll they'll be like, "Hey, man, on this song, more band." Yeah, um, that happens a ton, man. And 
mixing both together, man, that's a, it's a challenge yeah. because yeah. Ho- timing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, how do you approach that? Do you have you ever heard an artist just bring some really bad tracks and you're like, oh man? <laughs> yeah, there we. I've definitely had some bad uh, two track prints before, um, but yeah. usually the clients that I'm working with now we we have big sessions that you know if we want to give the, the the drummer the kick as for his trigger we'll give him that we'll give him um, the clap from the record. Um, I've been lucky, especially I'll say on this last gig for Kendrick, the band is excellent. You know, they they play, they know the records just as I know the records, they play the record. So, you know, as much a much as much credit is due to me, you know, some of that, a large percentage of that has to go to the band oh. because they play exactly what is needed to be played. They get in, you know, when they when they embellish moments, they get in and get out immediately. You know, they find spaces within the record to get their little live shine, which is amazing. And then they're out. So it's just one of those things. It's like when when I was asked by the MD, you know, what, you know, when I asked him, how do you want to sound? And he's like, I want the band. I want I just want a blend of everything. And, you know, he let me just do my thing for a while or for the for the most part. He just let me do my thing. And he was happy with the outcome of it. You know, again, knowing knowing the record and knowing that, you know, the bassist is playing the, the, the same bass in King Kunta, he's playing the exact same thing. It needs to hit just like the record would. And that's, it's just a constant going back and forth. Like a lot of my, a lot of my show files has a, a ton of busing. And the reason for that is I like to go back between the band, just all band and all playback and just kind of going back and forth and just blending it and mixing it and making sure that they all, sit together and then once i get that nice sitting together you know i had to juice it up a little bit so i'm gonna comp it i'm gonna i'm gonna turn up just a little bit so it gets more punchier more fattier and it all at that point you know i throw the vocal in in as well and you know a little bit more compression and it now sounds like one cohesive sound it's not music here at let's say or let's say it's not band here at 90 db mute playback at 95 vocal at 102 it's all one you know they're right close on top of each other and to be honest they're like you know they're like spaghetti they're living intertwined with each other um and that's just my approach to mixing you know it's it's one complete sound and that's how it should sound you know if if it goes from playback to band you know you shouldn't hear anything different it should all just be cohesive and that's always been my approach you know or not always but it's the la- the the last five years of my career, that's been my approach to to mixing live bands and and tracks together. How is Rocky, dude? He's one of my fa- <laughs> he's one of my faves. Yeah, I, I like Fer- I like Ferg a lot. Yeah, did you do like? How was he to work for? You started at Monitors and then went to front of house yeah. for him. Yeah, so Rocky, I started at Monitors. Um, we did a show at Urban Plaza, and. When every when the show was over, I remember the playback guy was like, he didn't look at you. And I was like, is that a bad thing or is that a good thing? He's like, <laughs> he didn't complain. And I was like, oh, that's a good thing. Okay, cool. So I, you know, I did well. Um, but I've been with him for 
eight, nine years. I'm the longest. Awesome. Yeah, I'm the longest crew member that's been with him besides his role. That's what I wanted to ask. Yeah. You, you've been you've been with him a while. Yeah. That, that turned that turns into a family, man. Yeah. Like that that's that's a fun thing too, and that's why I asked. I was looking through the thing, and and Rocky stuck stood out because it just kept coming. Like yeah. every year, you were with him doing something. Yeah. Um. How were the shows with him? Were they awesome? I mean, did you watch him grow into something big? Yeah, definitely. So, like, that's been the that's been the very interesting part, right? So, I've seen him when we were, um, I guess I feel like infancy. Like looking at shows way way back then, it was him and the ASAP Mob, and we were, you know, traveling the world. You know, I, it, it was nuts. Like I think about the Australia leg of that tour, like the the shows we were doing you know, no days off. Like it was just insane. And the crowds were always packed. They were always having fun. Um, and then to now seeing him perform on stage really by himself is, you know, it's, it's a testimony to his, um, his growth, you know, that he can carry the show, not to say that he couldn't carry it before, but he can definitely carry it now by himself. And his songs definitely changed too. The first two albums were, and I loved it because it reminded me of something a skater kid would do. Yeah. Like I just think of ASAP Rocky as a skater kid. Mm-hmm. Now that he, he, he did the, the thing, man, how, how was it mixing his shows? Cause it went from different dynamics. It really did. And, yeah. and you grew with it. Yeah. So in the beginning it was, it was two DJ rigs. Uh, one DJ was playing the main record. Um, and then the other DJ was scratching on top of it with, the main record ready to go in case the other, uh, the other rig went down and we, we had did that for a while and then we went to playback. Um, but it was mostly, most of the stuff stayed two tracks, to be honest. Um, some of the records like LSD, we split out a little bit because there are moments when he's, um, there's moments where I need to juice the backgrounds a little bit more to blend with him, you know, um, and kind of make them again sound as one cohesive vocal and not just, you know, Rocky's vocal, background vocals, music. It all has to, again, you know, sit together. So, um, but now, yeah, we're, we've been the same. We've been doing playback for the past, since 2018. Yeah, 2018. So, um, yeah, it's it, it hasn't changed much, to be honest, you know. That's like a family gig. Yeah. How good? How good is Ferg? live he's my favorite that's that's what's funny is i haven't actually i've only worked with ferg once and that was at coachella uh rocky's coachella he came out as a guest artist you know so i haven't actually had time with him but i've heard all of my buddies who are on that gig they say it's you know it it was a good show so i just want to hang out with those dudes (laughs) that was that was my that was my fanboy question for the night thank you there it is that's sweet so, um, I, there's a lot we, we could you know get into. I, um, I don't think we have time for any of it uh, or all of it. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I think one of the things I, I'd like to ask, um, we, we, we've navigated the subject a little bit, some on the podcast, um, and then, um, off, off air, we've kind of navigated this a little bit. You, you, you made a post, um, based off of, um, a, an article that came out from headliner, um, you know, you had mentioned that in your interview growing up, you never saw sound engineers of men of color, uh, that look like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, um, but you kind of wanted to maybe, maybe help change the face of that and, yeah. and, and project that. 
Um, is that something that you've been able to do? What has that looked like since you entered the scene? Um, it was kind of a multifaceted. And then what what's what's something that maybe like us, Signal to Noise, our community, like how can we help in that avenue as well? Yeah, um, that's a really really good question. Um, it's a it's a continued work in progress, right? Because the this the the industry is constantly revolving. It's constantly evolving. Um, so, you know, as I, as I continue to build my name, I get to the industry more weight and more, what you would say, power to use and how to move people. And, um, I've been able to definitely bring along people, not just people of color, you know, women, gay, straight, it doesn't matter who it is. If they're super, super talented, I've been able to bring them along as a mentee and put them in gigs that I'm probably sure they would have never gotten to on their own or, mm. or, or maybe they would have, but it just would have taken them longer so that, you know, that goes back to my map. So I have the, I have, I'm further along on my map. I'm giving them a heads up. This is what's coming your way. This is what, this is, Hey, here's my shortcut. And a lot of what I do is just giving back to the younger engineers that are growing up that I see greatness in, you know um, it's, it's definitely a challenge but as I keep getting these opportunities to sit at the table and make decisions based off of, you know, our audio crew or, um, you know, whatever it may be, it's it's one of those things where I'm always driving for diversity. It's that's that's my number one goal. I think the industry needs to shine a spotlight on diversity more and more. Um, you know, it's it's it's. America is a culture pot for a reason. Right. So why can our industry be even more mm-hmm. diverse and and, you know, bring more and more talents and, and techniques to this pot so that we all can grow and be better. You know, um, another thing that I think is very, very important, and this is, you know, this is very into my own, um, you know, race, you know, especially with black engineers. We we definitely have a bad rap in this industry. And this is just me being vulnerable and honest. Right. But there's this bad rap and that we go against each other. And that's something that needs to stop, you know. There's so much money out here to be made. There's so many artists from, you know, Chitlin Circuit to stadium tours that we can all make money in the levels that we're in. And, you know, as much as we want the industry to come together for us, we need to come together for ourselves and and, and drive that, you know, we are just as good as everyone else. You know what I mean? And that's that's something that I I strive for every day. You know, I'm not people call me white glove, but, you know, it's one of those things where. You know, I'm I'm a white glover in the sense of I can do your job, your job, your job, your job, plus my job. That's what makes me a white glover. If my front of house tech goes down, I can front of house tech. I can system engineer. I can do RF. I can do monitors. That's excellence. I'm not just a great front of house engineer. I'm not just a great monitor engineer. The job is to be a great sound engineer. And that's mm. what I strive for every day. And that's what the industry needs you know people just striving to be great it's sad when i get a call and they say a show went down we need a new engineer i'm tired of those calls and not be, not <laughs> and, and and would love to check really would but why you know we have every tool uh at our availability to be great there is no excuse not to be great mm, so, so true. yeah that's funny. Kyle, Kyle Hamilton mentioned that too. Like people out there trying to get free money, right? The people who just want to go out there and push faders and not yeah. do the rest of the legwork of like do all the other th- all the things, mm-hmm. you know. So that's no, that's that's good stuff. Yeah, 
Yeah, Kyle, great engineer. I'm, 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 I like, I love that we think alike in that regard. And, you know, it's, man, I couldn't imagine touring back in the 70s and 80s. Like, on, I mean, like, I did, I had some time on analog desk. I could not, I live and die by a lot of uh, virtual sound check. If I didn't have that, I would just, I mean, you know, so we, uh, I say, I say to say, like, <laughs> man, we are blessed with, technology and what we deal with you know there's no excuse sure. at all absolutely and and like i would say even further what this pandemic has done is like there wasn't an excuse really excuse before the pandemic now there's utterly no excuse for any amount of information yeah every a bit of information and opportunities at your fingertips yeah. it is there our Supercharged. industry said hey Literally everyone in the industry said, here's everything I know. Yeah. Last year's that's what they've done. Yeah. If you haven't taken the time to soak that up, Amen. shame on you. Yeah. I had a comment and and I'm saying this respectfully. So like to the listeners, please don't take this the wrong way. But a buddy of mine, you know, we were talking about the industry and how we need text. And I was like, or you know, and I made a comment. I was like, you know, if your phone hasn't been been getting called now when people need work, you really need to reevaluate your situation in your work career in terms of getting better, getting at, you know, getting better at your career, because there's so much available work out here right now. Like, and again, you know, some people, it's all situational based, of course, but, you know, if you want to be great, you got to sometimes take a leap of faith and chase that dream, you know? And again, I've been fortunate to really, really chase the dream, take leaps of faith that have worked out literally more, 99% of them have worked out. Hmm. And sometimes that's just what we need to do. We need to get out of our comfort zones and just go do yep. what we want to do. You know, said, said best by the great iconic Chris Leonard, uh, life or work. Oh, <laughs> like, well, what, what, life choices versus career choices. You mean? Yeah. yeah. Life choices yeah. and career choices. Yeah. I mean, they're two different things. I mean, yeah. I mean, like Kyle and I both, and, and I mean, I, just anybody's probably gone through this, but I mean, like, look, me jumping into corporate was a life choice, not a career choice. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, Kyle choosing to, to, to work, you know, local and at a shop, it's, it's a, it's a life choice, not necessarily a career choice. You know, mm -hmm. Kyle could go out there and still slay it mixing if he wanted to, yeah. um, uh, you know, no but thanks. But, you, you kids <laughs> are doing a great job. <laughs> if you need to fill in for a weekend gig in Hawaii or something, come <laughs> back by eight <laughs> on Monday. I used to, when, we were, when I was in college, I played in the band with this bass player and she was just be like, I demand to be home by 10. And I was like, that's eh, not going to happen. It's a concert. <laughs> She yeah. used to just make these silly rules. I, I, I think it's great that everything's coming back and people are just stepping up and doing it though. I mean, it, it's, we still, we're still doing the thing. Yeah. Like, it, and I, I love that you have the mentees already. Yeah. I mean, that's been a huge focus of our podcast and, and our Facebook group and stuff is just like networking and talking to people. Mm -hmm. And, um, we needed it during this time. Like you said, man, this was a great time to mentally reflect and build and, and physically. And we had all this time, man. And yeah. if you're putting that energy in poor spots, you left the pandemic poor. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it's, it's brilliant to see everything moving along. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. um, I will mention, uh, Bob, the monitor engineer from Metallica graduated from full sale too. Oh yeah. And I think I yeah. know about, mm -hmm. I, I know a bunch of people that graduated from full sale that went on to do insane gigs. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I, I, I know in the beginning 
it was hard. It it's hard now to teach out of a textbook and little tools and going out with the local sound company. That's sometimes that's the best you get in your audio classes at school. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the companies that are going to like forward with that, like the conservatory, like full sale and have the gear and have the time and the energy and, and the people on staff to do it. They're doing it right now. Yeah. Like they, fi they figured it out. Like it, it, it's a, it's a huge thing. Like when I started, you were just a roadie, you mm -hmm. know, like, and we were mixing on speakers on a stick and the park shows and the old park stage where it flipped up and you could either sell lemonade or, <laughs> yeah. a, or a bad 38 special cover band. Yeah. I've done that show. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's humbling, man, but you can look back and see this map and this map is not stopping. Yeah. It's not, yeah. It, it's not going to stop as many times as you try to pull away from this business, the one thing that I, I wanted to know, like you're on the way up constantly. Have you ever thought about the way out? What's going to happen on the way out or how to manage the life on the way out? Yeah. Wow. Did you know I have therapy in a couple hours? What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> to me, man? Hey, I, I, I had therapy yesterday. <laughs> there you go. Cool. No, no. Um, that's, that's a constant, um, that's a constant thought for me. Like my, my fiance and I, Ariel, we, we sit out on our balconies and we, we dream. That's, that's one of our nightly uh, nightcaps. We dream every single night when we're home and you know, what is our goal? What's our, what's, what's the end goal. Right. And for a while, part of my end goal and, and, and looking on it now, I don't think it's the actual end, but I want to be a, um, I want to be a broadcast music mixer for like the Grammys and award shows, you know, I don't, I don't think yeah. I'm going to be able to, unless it's a condo bunk, you know, at 50, 60 years old, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to, I don't think I'm going to want to be on the road. You know, I want to give time to my family. Um, but a part of that is, you know, I want to be 50 next year. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I, I don't think I could do a bunk either <laughs> right now. Yeah. So that, that's a part of, that was a couple of years ago. That was the end goal. But, um, now through my company, Blackwell Productions, like sending out sound engineers to cover gigs, um, that's a part of it. And, you know, seeing what my production company does, if it becomes that um, all in one light video, whatever, you know, bringing con connecting people um, in the industry together to make magic. That's literally what we do. You know, I had I had someone um, that did a gig and. Saudi Arabia a couple of days ago or Dubai and the engineer actually had COVID and we had to find an engineer to, you know, to cover the gig. And I call, I see who's on the list and I see it's my buddy, John. I'm like, John, I need you to stay later, please like help me. And he stays and the show goes great. You know, that's connecting people, especially in emergencies as, as we see right in emergencies, but connecting people to make magic, make shows, you know, uh, the show, as they always say, the show must go on. And it's literally, there's no excuse not for the show to go on, you know? And so that's a part of what my exit strategy is. But as I've looked at, if I, as I look back on my career now, that will constantly change. You know, if, if, if I get closer to that, then who knows what the next thing may be? You know, it may not actually be audio. It may be breaking out into something else. Who knows? But, you know, there's, it's constantly just striving to be great and, you know, as long as I have that <clears throat> energy, you know, the, the, the outro, we'll figure it out when the outro comes, you know? Nice. 
<laughs> Chris, I think he successfully answered yeah, your legacy he answered question. Your question well, without, well, without yeah, I'm not going to let him off that easy because I, I want to dig a hair deeper there. For <laughs> yeah. Michael, hit hit yours and yeah. then let's, All right. let's do, Brandon, do where, traditional. Uh, so. Where are you joining us from right now? Uh, I'm in Los Angeles. Okay, so we're all coming out yeah. to LA. I've to, heard of it. Yeah, we're all coming out to visit you. Where are you going to take us for lunch? What's your, your best spot to go to? Your most favorite? Um, best spot in LA? For you personally, yeah. Oh, personally. Um, your favorite? My favorite is, is this vegan spot in West Hollywood, Gracias Madre. Um, it's been my spot for since I started touring, really, but great vegan Mexican food amazing like drinks vegan yeah. mexican that i have not heard that yeah. okay that's, so that's a new thing yeah it's a little out there but it's good there you go all yeah. right chris so yeah I, yeah so i mean you you sort of answered so this question i asked at the end of every episode is hey if you could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known how would you define that um and i think you loosely that kind of said it but maybe you know let's let's focus in on a hair so maybe kind of repeat like hey if if you know, because you're obviously a person who thinks about this, which not everybody thinks about, and, and legacy or how you want to be known is different for everyone. Uh, so I'm very curious to get in your headspace there. So yeah, for for you, you know, what's what's that look like for you? Yeah, so leaving a legacy for me is is um, leaving that name that never dies. Right? It's it's constantly talked about, um, and in a positive way. Um, it doesn't mean that I actually have to do something great, but that people constantly think think amazing of me. Um, mm. I strive every single day to walk into a room, and for the most part, no one should have much of anything bad to say about me. You know what I mean? And that's a goal. That's a constant goal of mine. So if I can magnify that even more to, you know, what I leave on this earth when I die, is that you know people know that I'm a great I'm a great person. Um, my family knows I'm a great dad. I'm a great father, a uh, great husband, and I'm a great sound engineer. And then everything else that falls from that, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with, you know, but I think that's enough for me, you know, just that my name, like Kendrick said, sing about me when I'm, when I'm gone, you know, that's what I want you to do. Do, do you ever have to balance, um, the ego side of that? Yeah. Um, it's funny. It's balancing. It, it, most people, if you if if they were if they were to describe me, they would say that I have no ego, because I'm constantly, you know, from the janitor to the owner of the company, I treat you all the same. You're a human being just as I am. So the ego is really non-existent. You know, I mean, there are moments when I get an ego within myself, but I won't. No one knows when I have an ego at that point. You know. We we all we, I mean I think an all any successful person has to have some about ego of, of yourself because otherwise if you're not believing in yourself and trusting where you are I mean why are you doing what you're doing so I think yeah. there's there's some some bit of that so no I I only ask it's interesting because um most people don't answer this with they want them them to be known greatly and mm-hmm. um and we got kind of cha- I, I got kind of challenged by a previous guest of like well hey what you know what is more important the fact that you're actually known or whatever it is that you leave behind is known and so it's so just one of the you know it's just kind of asking mm-hmm. about that it's 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 a it's a it's a tough introspective thing cuz you know yeah. like you know how much we how much we uh, how much we are connected or identifying with what we put out versus who we are type of thing. It's a, it's a, it's interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I totally, I totally understand what you're saying. Like I, like I was saying, I have an ego, but it's, it's in an, it's in a way that I have, it's so internal that I can check myself, you know what I mean? And no one else has yeah. to check me because I'm in control over this. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like, 
I feel like when you say the word ego, egos, egos can get out of control. Mm-hmm. This is a kind of, this is in a compressed state, you know, and sometimes we, we come out a little bit, but we always stay, you know, um, but egos yeah. cannot be nice either. Yeah. Egos can be, egos can be demons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I think, I, I mean, I believe you're genuine in that. Like, I mean, before you talked about how you wanted to be great, you talked about how you wanted the others around you to be just as great or provide opportunity for mm-hmm. them. And that like, that's what you, and so I, I think that's the, that's the balance of the people who have figured out that part. And it's not just, I want Hell to be yeah. great. I, you yeah. know I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's already the, uh, precursor the whatever to, yeah. to, to balancing that. Yeah. So. One, uh, I'll, I'll say one, um, I, I've been, I've been really watching a lot of interviews lately and just kind of just getting, you know, just, How'd we do? yeah. <laughs> and just picking from people and Kevin Hart did an interview and that, that literally just changed my mind and my thinking. And that's where, you know, you, you asked about my map and that's where this whole idea of just giving people the early step, in their infancy of their career so that they can catch up to me and shoot off. You know what I mean? And they do their own thing. And that's just, you know, in my head, that's a part of my ego, right? Because I'm, I'm constantly out there. I'm putting this, I'm putting this, you know, out to people because I want to be great. But then deep down, I have these other people that I want to be great to and bring them up with me as well. It's just, you know, it's a fine balance. It's tough. Um, some days you don't want to do it, but you know, it's, it's yeah. all, there's all a big picture, you know, did, did, did someone, uh, did someone instill that idea of that map and introspective thinking, or was that inherent on, on your own? That was all me. Yeah. Cool. I, we, we cool. Ariel and I had a conversation last night and she was like, did anyone teach you this? And I was like, no, like I've literally for the most part been on this journey by myself, but taking little tools from people and morphing it and transforming it so that it applies to my life and how I, you know, my values and how I operate. And it's just as, as it's been happening and, you know, me kind of dummy testing on other people and, Mm -hmm. you know, them taking my advice and they're seeing, and it's like, okay, this is working. There is a, there is a, um, there's something to this madness that we're doing. You know, I'm getting you out of your comfort zone. I know you're uncomfortable doing what I do, but it works. And you're an Mm. example now that it works. And, you know, that's, that's, that's my goal, man. Like every single day I want everyone to be, if every, if if there were a hundred, you know, if there was all studio art, um, I'm sorry, if there were all arena artists and stadium artists, I would love for everyone to get the opportunity to mix for that. You know, if that's the goal for our industry, that seems to be the goal. You know, I want to mix a big, big artist at a big venue. Okay. Everyone, you can get to that goal. You know, you don't, you're not just a club mixer. You're not just a theater mixer. Um, for me, I'm not just a hip hop mixer, you know, that that's stuff that I've dealt with before. And it's how do you maneuver? And if I've maneuvered it so far, I, I'm definitely helping someone else to maneuver it and get through it easier than than what it took me, you know, and then that passes on. They do the same thing. The industry gets better as a whole from that. That's awesome. Yeah. Believe that. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you, Brandon. We really, really appreciate it. I'm glad we dug deeper. That's, that's kind of why, you know, you, you dropped that nugget earlier and I was like, oh, he's answered my question already because I knew, I knew there was more there that yeah. I, had, I wanted to, I wanted to unwrap. So I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm hoping, hoping we can all cross paths here, uh, at some point out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, be, be safe. That was, a, that was fun. Yeah. This is a, a re-listen for sure. So if you didn't catch it, re-listen to it again. 